morning, everyone. It's good to see you. What an awesome morning. Thanks, John, for leading us in worship, just lifting up our gaze a bit higher. And good morning, Di. Good to see you. Thank you, Di. And thank you, thank you, Sarah, for just taking us to just a space of communion. You know, it's just, it's, it's so good <laughs> that we can stop and just let that moment actually touch us. Like that moment when, you know, for us, that, that's when love came down for us. That moment when we just go, yeah, that's, God did that for me. That, that touches me, that, that affects me, it changes something in me. Like it is the biggest event in history, but, but there is a moment in our world where it actually connects with us. And we want to be affected by that. We want to be touched by that. We want it to make a difference. And, you know, today we see as, as Jesus enters, like that moment in history where he actually enters our world as a man. We're going to meet five people today who respond to that. That as he comes into this world, they make a response. And so today, I want you to enter the story. <laughs> like, get into that space yourself. Like, forget what our world is today. <laughs> Go to that moment. Enter into that story. And think about, like, are you one of these characters today? Is that, does that reflect where you're at? Or, you know, maybe who would you like to be? <laughs> let, you know, let your heart respond to what Jesus does as he enters our world. So let me just pray. Lord God, we just, we thank you for this moment in history. Just shift our gaze today. Let us look onto your stage. As Jesus comes down, enters our world. Amen. So Jeff did set the stage for us last week and our production is in motion. We have met Gabriel, we've met Zechariah and Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary. So we're going to shift a little bit now to that moment, you know, kind of a few months down the track, when it all starts happening. And first of all, you know, off to the side of our stage, a little spotlight, probably, you know, down a little bit. We've got John, Elizabeth and Zechariah's baby. We first meet him in Elizabeth's womb, of course. But already in that space, there's a response to Jesus happening. Zechariah had been told that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And that's exactly what happens. When we have Mary visiting um, Elizabeth, when they're both pregnant, in Luke 1, verse 41, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honoured that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. So already 
This baby is responding to Jesus. <laughs> but it's not really him in some ways. Like that's the spirit in him. Already the spirit's in John. And already this spirit is, you know, responding to this baby Jesus, this God come as man inside a woman. There's something going on. That part of John is actually outside of his own choices in some ways because he's a baby in a womb. So what of actually John? Like where's he at with Jesus? Jesus is probably or possibly a cousin or some kind of relative. And often he could quite possibly be a friend in some way growing up. And as we see him grow up, we see this, this baby go wild. Like he goes wild. It's completely unconventional. It's, it's not the normal life that people are living. Because an incredible task has been set before him. Remember that there'd been 400 years of silence? Like God hadn't been tapping people on the shoulder and saying, go and tell my people this, go and talk to them about this. He'd been silent. And so for 400 years, there'd been no great prophet of God speaking out. And in comes John. He's got to learn to do a job that's been dormant and silent for 400 years. Anyone ever tried to do that? Pick up an old skill <laughs> that's no one been doing? How do you do that job? How, how do you learn how to be this a prophet? But not only that, you are the prophet announcing the Messiah. Like the greatest event in history is about to happen. And you've got to be, you, you're announcing it. So he learns a life of solitude. In obedience, he goes out to the wild to just kind of get a download from God, to learn from him who he needs to be, what he has to do. But this life of obedience just didn't happen like that. I reckon he learnt it. I reckon he learnt it from his parents. Because he followed the example of what his parents did when they got instructions from Gabriel, when they got this random thing to do. It says that his circumcision ceremony at eight days old, they obediently named him John. They didn't follow with the traditions of society. They didn't go, you know, oh, that's a family name. We've got to do this, blah, blah, blah. No, his name is John. Zechariah, in verse 63 of chapter, Luke chapter 1, he said he motioned for a writing tablet because he couldn't speak, remember. And to everyone's surprise, he's wrote his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again and he began praising God, all fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. And Zechariah pro prophesied, And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. John's life was always going to be unconventional. 
His life was going to, you know, a life that had to shake off what society expected, what society thought should happen, the way it should unfold. And he needed to learn to live in obedience to the way God actually wanted this to unfold. And so he learned from his parents. You know the, the example we set to people around us, to our kids, to grandkids? Like It matters. It really matters. The things that we say, the things that we do, the life that we choose is observed, is watched. What life do we live? You know, Elizabeth and Zechariah knew that they... They had this really important child to bring to the world who had a really important job. And so obediently, they taught him a life of obedience because there was a higher purpose going on. We, we actually all have a higher purpose in Christ. We all do. It hasn't been just left to John and Jesus and the disciples. All of us have that. How are we going to respond? What, what's, what is it that we're going to, to hear and listen to? How are we going to play that out on the stage of our life? So our John was wild and obedient as he prepared for love to come down. Next, we're going to move on our spotlight to a new scene with a new baby about to be born. And this time we kind of start on centre stage a bit more. You know, despite all our nativity plays, did you know there's no innkeeper in the Bible? Did you know that? You find me the verse, tell me where the innkeeper is, he's not there. <gasps> it's not good. <laughs> but we've made him this villain. He's really bad. He's horrible. He's nasty. Oh, this poor pregnant woman. What we know in the Bible is that Mary and Joseph were required to travel to Bethlehem and Mary was heavenly pregnant. We know a census had been called and a descendant of King David. Um, and as a descendant of King David, this was um, Joseph's hometown and so he needed to go to Bethlehem. They didn't have online stuff then. Now, the usual practice when traveling would be to stay as a guest in a relative's home. A relative would have a bit of space, a room, that's where you'd stay. If there was no relative in that town, then probably like an important person who had a bigger home um, or someone else that had space. It wasn't kind of this whole in thing like we, we picture, really. And so they're the facts that we know. <laughs> they're the bits we know. But this time, Bethlehem was busy. There were a lot of people there. There was a lot of more visitors to accommodate, you know, absorbing into the town, like somehow finding space for them here and there and everywhere. And so thankfully, someone found space for them where the animals were because there was a manger there, a feed trough. That's the bit we know. So, you know, we kind of think, oh, well, that must have been the innkeeper and that must have been a stable. That's where we go. But the fact is, we actually 
there was no guy there. So Luke 2 says, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So we take hold of this nativity innkeeper and we're horrible to him. He was busy. He was distracted. There was a lot going on around him. He didn't have room for another family. He harshly just, you know, put them out in the stable, out the back. But he didn't know who Jesus was. He had no clue. It was just another traveller, another person. He didn't know that that baby about to be born was the promised saviour. He didn't know that this Jesus was the King of kings and Lord of lords. He didn't know that this, this was God's very own son before him, sent to die. You know, maybe, maybe if he'd known that, would he have responded differently? Would people have gone out of their way to find a room for Mary? Would they have, you know, protected her and loved her and given her a baby shower and all those things? But they didn't know. And so in their distraction, they're just put in a convenient place. There's, there's a bit of space there. That's convenient. You can go there. How about us, though? We know. We know who Jesus is. We know that he's the promised saviour. We know that he's king of kings and lord of lords. We know that he's God's very own son. We know all these things. But do we still just tuck him away sometimes? Pack him up with a nativity? Leave him there for another year? Do we just keep him in church? It's convenient there. It doesn't touch any other part of my life. You know when a house guest comes? Who loves having house guests? Yeah? It's great for a day, really, actually. When you're honest, if you're honest, it's great for a day. Depends on how many bathrooms you have as well. You know, it's great to see them. It's great to share a meal. But then, you know, after a while, it's tiring. You've got to accommodate them. They might eat different food. They get up at a different time. They do things you don't, they watch things on TV that you don't like. Like, it's uncomfortable. And it's a little bit like that with Jesus sometimes. He's not very comfortable. So, do we accommodate him particularly well? Or do we keep him to church and life group or emergency prayer? Is that where he goes? Or are we able to bring him into the home of our lives to actually make space for him in this place, to let him eat the food he wants to eat, to let him dictate what time we get up, <laughs> disrupting our normal routine, allowing him to set the agenda of our life. You know, the, the angel said to Joseph, 
when he just kind of freaked out about the fact that Mary was pregnant. He said, do not be afraid to take Mary home. I think the angel would say the same to us sometimes. Don't be afraid to take Jesus home. Don't be scared of that. Yeah, it's going to change your world. It's not going to be pleasant sometimes. But don't be scared. Let him in that space. And so, finally, the star appears. Not the stable one. The star of the show. The hero. Like, he's the hero of the show, isn't he? Or is he? Like, the star's there, but it's quite obscure. Like, should our hero slip so obscurely into our world, so silently, so quietly, it's easy to forget that Jesus is still God (laughs) as he comes into our world. We, we kind of, we switch off the God part of him and suddenly he's just a baby. But no, he's God still, entering our world so quietly, so alone. But this was his response to their plan together. You know, when they talked about how this was going to all work, Jesus kind of said, no, this is the way it's, I'm just going to slip in there because he's humble and he's obedient too. In humility, he wanted to enter our world to show who he was. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And in Philippians 2, verse 6, though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. In response to his own birth, Jesus just quietly entered the world and he beautifully just gave some moments to his family. Have you ever thought about that? You know, a few moments of peace, setting aside the enormity of what he was about to do, of all that was going to happen, setting aside the fact that chaos was just about to break loose over poor Mary and Joseph. Like he actually, I actually think he just thought about them. Just simplicity and blessing of just a moment. You know, that moment after a baby is born, it's, it's kind of, you're in a different space. It's weird. And it's completely absorbed 
by the people in that space. And for that moment, no matter what was going to come after, Jesus was completely absorbed in the moment of that space together with his family. And I wonder if we can ever find that. Can we respond to Jesus in that way sometimes? Can we just set aside everything, whatever it is, and just completely absorb ourselves in him, in our family, in what matters absolutely most, like wipe out the rest. What is it in that moment when he touches us? What is it? Because very soon it's gone. (laughs) Very soon. All hell just kind of going, oh, well, that's wrong, isn't it? All heaven breaks out, actually. (laughs) The whole stage is flooded in light. Heaven does break out. It's too good to keep quiet. It just, you just can't. Like joy to the world, we sang that this morning. You just can't keep it quiet. God wasn't going to print it in the newspaper. It wasn't going to be on Facebook. So what can the angels do? What can they do? Like, is this the overflow of God's party in heaven? Or is it just the fact that, like, they're so used to worshipping Jesus. Like, that's what they spend their lives doing. They're there. They're worshipping God and the Father, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all day, all night. That's what they do. This host of angels just celebrating them in heaven. But suddenly, one of them's now down on earth. So do we just stop worshipping him? No. We keep worshipping him. We just break out of heaven and we just keep worshipping him because he is Jesus. He is the son of God. And so they do break into, into the world and they just, that night in Luke 2, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. They were guarding their flocks of sheep and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. The shepherds, they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, no doubt, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Can you picture that? Can you take yourself to that place and just absolutely see the angels of heaven, the host of God's armies just worshipping him, just worshipping him because Hope has come. The hope of the world has been born. Everything that they have been looking forward to for goodness knows how long has just arrived. That is their response to Jesus. Declaring glory to God, shouting, singing his wonders. 
praise, they're not worried about the complications. They know that God's on earth and it's not going to go well. They don't worry about that. They just rejoice in the hope. They see the hope of what he brings. Can we do that? Can we just stop thinking about the complications that happen sometimes? How it all just messes up and, and things are not going to go right? Can we, can we put aside the complications that family dinners will bring? Can we put aside the, the complications of how we might be feeling or what might not be happening yet right now for us? The mess that is there, can we put that aside and can we just, can we just actually look at Jesus and, and just worship him? Because in him there is hope. Like he brings the hope. And it doesn't matter how we feel. Worship is not about how we feel. It's never about how we feel. We don't sing songs because we feel happy. We worship because of Jesus and he is hope. And so the lights go out and we go back just to these stunned shepherds. Like, that would be weird, don't you reckon? Like, it's just bright and brilliant and then it's gone. Like, what was that? And our shepherds are just an unlikely bunch of guys. Sometimes people kind of say that they're social outcasts because they're shepherds, but the Bible never... It never singles them out. They're not unclean in the Bible. Shepherds are not unclean. They're just shepherds. And they're probably just everyday farmhands, you know, term. You know, labourers, just people doing their job, going about life. And it's when they're going about life, just doing their job, that heaven breaks over them. And they're completely terrified by that, absolutely terrified. It's an awesome sight. They're stunned into silence just watching this. And amazed and, 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 and wondering, like, what is all this about? In Luke 2, verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, oh, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's just see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the, the shepherds, they, they told everyone what had happened and, and what the angel had said to them about this child. And, and then all who heard them were astonished. And then they went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, it was just as the angel had told them. I love the shepherds. They didn't just sit there. They didn't just go, wow, look at the fireworks. That's so cool. Oh, well, let's back to the sheep. Like, they didn't stop at that. They listened. They, they were completely terrified out of their wits and then they kind of went, went, well, what does that mean for me? 
what am I going to do about that? I've seen something amazing. I felt something amazing. What am I going to do about it? They acted on their wonder. And because they acted on it, they saw and they believed. They sought out the baby and they found him. They could have just left him as a good story. But it wouldn't have changed their world. Their hearts were transformed in praise for God because they sought out Jesus. How often do we wonder and just leave it there? Like worship. We come and we worship and it's amazing and, and then we walk out the door. And we forget to let it touch us. To, you know, there's times when um, there might be that altar call and, and we're this thing and we go, I don't want to do that, that's embarrassing. Like someone might notice me, but I need prayer. So we don't do anything about it. Stop wondering. Don't just leave it in the space of the dazzling and the, the bright lights and the beauty of it. Let's go and find Jesus. Because we miss out if we don't. How sad if the shepherds just saw the glorious angels but didn't meet Jesus. I don't want to be that person. Because Jesus is the one that brings the hope and the life. We need to seek him. You know, when love comes down, it finds us in any number of different situations. Feelings. In, in communion, we remembered our first response. You know, sometimes we kind of, it might be a bit hazy depending on how we've grown up. Sometimes it, it can be really clear. You know, when I remember my first response, I go back to, first of all, a night of confusion, of like the enormity of, oh my goodness, he actually died for me. Oh my goodness. And then I go to a beach and sand and just a feeling of being clean and washed Every day we have opportunities to respond. Every day we don't just have to go back to that moment when we first met him, but every day we actually have a moment where we can respond to him. And as Jesus enters the stage of the earth, we see five different things here. We see John and he's wild and he's obedient and he's willing to be used by God. You know, that might be the place where you want to be. You want to go. Or maybe you're in that space at the moment and you're just you're feeling like, oh, I just want something to break out. I want, I want God to use me. Like run with that. Go with that. Let him use you. Respond to it. Often we are the innkeeper, however. 
we are distracted. He's trying to break in. He's right there at our front door and we just don't seem to be able to accommodate it. We'll get to it after all the Christmas parties or the end of term or after I've done this. But actually, it's right now. Those things will always be here, trust me. They'll be there all the time. like Jesus like he was God I can't can I be like that no not really but we can learn from him we can take on the things that he brought us the things of humility and and giving up things that we might be you know we might have a right to that actually something else better to deal with right now and it could be my family it could be any number of things that might not be as glamorous but just needs my attention right now I'd love to be the angels constantly (laughs) that would be amazing And we need to go there when we get that space. Sometimes we just need to just remember it doesn't matter the situation. Like the angels could worship Jesus in heaven and they could worship him on earth. So it doesn't matter my situation or what actually is happening around me. I need to choose to worship and to just look at Jesus and get my eyes off the other stuff and go to that space in response to him. But I want to keep being a shepherd as well because I want to see the things around me. I want to see them happening. I want my eyes to be open to what God's doing. And I want to keep looking for myself. I want to keep searching Jesus out. I want to keep taking time out of whatever my everyday is and going, that'll be all right for now. I just need to go and find Jesus. I need to take that time. I need to go to that space because when I find him, I'll be in wondrous amazement and I will praise God and I will be able to let things overflow to other people. I won't be able to stop, but just let that overflow come out because I've met Jesus. This morning, you know, just take hold of those things. We can we can think about who we are, but but more important, it's like right now, what do you want? What do you want to be? How do you want to respond? How do you how do you want to shake off everything and, and just go into that space of this is God? This is the creator of the universe who has just come down and, and landed in our world. Just stand up. Lord God, we just want to worship you and honor you this morning. 
Lord God, we just want to lift up our hands. So right now, look, just, just think of Him. There's nothing else. Lift up your hands. Take an uncomfortable step. Do something. Go and seek Him. Something out of your comfort zone. Something out of your everyday. Something out of your ordinary. Just to acknowledge that this is Jesus we worship. This is the Lord of heaven and earth. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lift up your voices. Speak His name. Praise Him. Worship Him. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about what you feel. Don't worry about what you think. Don't worry about what other people think. But go to that space of worship to God and God alone because He is the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank You for Jesus. We thank You that You sent Him down to earth. We thank You, Lord God, that that, that He He agreed to this plan with You. That He could bring with Him the hope of heaven. The hope that we could still be connected with You. The hope that one day we will be healed. That one day we will be free. That one day we will have an abundance. That one day that there will be rejoicing and celebration. That one day my mind won't be completely clouded. That one day my family will be free. That one day that life will be different. That is the hope that He brings. That's right. That's right. That is the hope we declare. Lord God, we just worship You. 